Hi there, I'm Scarlett Fu of Bloomberg Television, and I want to welcome you to the Cornell Tech at Bloomberg podcast, in which we bring you conversations we've had during our monthly speaker series held at Bloomberg's global headquarters in New York City. Cornell Tech at Bloomberg brings together students from Cornell Tech, Bloomberg employees, and members of New York's technology community to hear from entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders, luminaries from the global technology sector. In this episode, Julie Samuels, executive director of Tech NYC, interviews two longtime venture capitalists, the godfather of Silicon Valley, Ron Conway, who is an early investor in tech giants including Facebook, Twitter, and Airbnb, as well as Fred Wilson, a partner with Union Square Ventures, who also co-chairs Tech NYC. Julie talks to them both about what it takes to become successful and the different benefits and difficulties of developing a startup in New York versus Silicon Valley. Thank you for having us. Okay, so now we're gonna jump in. I wanna be mindful of everyone's time. Um, Ron, I want to ask first question to you. Uh, you've been one of the most prolific tech investors um, across the country and frankly the world for a long time. And I know you're spending a little bit more time out here in New York now. You've been here since last week, I believe. Right. Um, curious, what are you seeing here? Uh, well, SF City, um, Funny enough, we only invest domestically, SV Angel, um, and uh, about, let's say, six, seven years ago, uh, SV Angel saw the, the bubbling up of technology in New York, and we said, hey, we want to be part of that, um, because, you know, given the law of averages, you'll have great companies getting founded in New York, just like you have great companies getting founded in the Bay Area. And if you go back six or seven years, just 5% of the SV Angel portfolio was from New York City. Uh, today, it's more like 15 to 20% of the portfolio. We have about 50 companies in the New York area right now. And so SV Angel, we don't have an office here. But we have very close partnerships with all the leading VCs here, um, you know, namely Fred, Lair Ventures, uh, Shanna Fisher. Um, but we actually make the pilgrimage to New York a couple of times a year and visit with all of our VC partners, our corporate partners. I was at ESPN this afternoon, uh, and then with the portfolio companies themselves. So we see the activity in New York percolating and we want to be part of it. Um, and Fred, I've heard you say that the tech industry here is 20 years old, but you've been here doing it for 30. Um, so over that time, kind of curious what you, some of the trends, building on a little bit what Ron said, how you see things change and, and where you think we are now in New York. Well, I think what happens in any, any community where there's a lot of startup activity is that you have a few companies that emerge uh, in the first decade and then they uh, have an exit. People like make a lot of money and then a lot of people who worked in those companies go on to start new companies and then you have this sort of exponential effect and Silicon Valley is the perfect example of that. They've been at it now for five or six decades and it's just amazing the amount of startup activity and, and startup financing activity that can happen in a, in a community that's, that's that mature. But here in New York, it's, it's really become, uh, uh, I think, you know, uh, self-sustaining, meaning that, uh, you know, if, if all of a sudden uh, no money came into New York City from outside of, of uh, the, this area, 
and thank God it does, people like Ron and many others are coming to New York to invest. But even if that weren't to, to happen, I think there's enough activity now in New York that it could self-sustain itself. And then the other thing that's happened is that a lot of the uh, other industries that have been resident in New York for a long time, the real estate industry, uh, Bill's somewhere here in the room representing the flag, and, and uh, the finance industry, we're here at Bloomberg, which I, I like to think of as a hybrid company, half finance, half tech. Um, they also now are becoming more technology enabled, um, investing in tech companies, building technology inside their own companies. And so it's, it's really quite, quite significant part of the overall economic activity of New York. And you might know this number better than I do, but the tech sector created some pretty large percentage of all new jobs in New York over the past few years. It's about, I think, three or four percent. Three or four percent. Yeah, yeah, it's significant. Um, what do you guys think, this is kind of for both of you, um, and Fred, you wrote about this actually a little bit on your blog yesterday. Um, actually, I'm going to read a quick quote from your okay. blog back mm -hmm. to you. Um, the way I think about the startup sector in the U.S. is that the first tier is Silicon Valley. More than half of all startup activity and startup funding activity happens in the Bay Area, which now includes SF and the East Bay. Um, the second tier is New York City and LA and Boston. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of VC and this, if this is true, this idea that we're kind of post-geography um, and how much placemaking matters and how much geography matters, um, both as you guys personally look in your own investments, but also what you see uh, for the industry. I think geography matters because, because um, you want to be in these markets physically from time to time. Ron said that they make pilgrimages to New York twice a year. Uh, the, well, the team four times a four year. Four times a year, right. So it's hard to be in 50 markets, right? Because you can't make pilgrimages to 50 markets four times a year. So you, I think every investor kind of gets into this uh, you know, mindset of how many places can I realistically invest in? Um, uh, and, you know, you have to go to Silicon Valley. It's Mecca. If, you're, if you really are serious about being in the tech sector, you can't ignore what goes on in Silicon Valley. And then you got to pick your spots. Um, I, the, the, one thing I think I maybe got wrong in that, um, in that uh, blog post I wrote was, was the significance of Seattle as as a creator of, of great tech companies. And you know, you think about it and you say, how could you have not included a, a city that's created Amazon and Microsoft and so many more great companies? Um, so you, know, you could argue that maybe uh, Seattle belongs in that second tier as well. But we, we go to maybe five or 10 cities in any significant way in a given year. And so that's what makes the venture capital business it is a geographically constrained business. You can't you can't go to a hundred cities a year. At least I don't think you can. Yeah, uh, SV Angel. We focus really on uh, New York, Silicon Valley, obviously, and L.A. Uh, but one of the benefits that that having a Silicon Valley investor make the pilgrimage to New York is a lot of our, the companies that we have in New York. They need our Rolodex. You can imagine because we're in Silicon Valley, we're very close to Google, Twitter, Facebook, Apple. Um, and when our companies need a senior management contact at those companies, because we're on the West Coast and we're around and networking with them all the time, we have easier access to like executives at Apple. So 
a huge benefit we can give the New York company in our portfolio is access, you know, to companies like like Apple and Facebook. So it's a it's a really nice partnership and synergy. So how do you reconcile the fact that you've got a lot of these successful tech companies that started in the Bay Area, and you know expand, come out here, and then they meet up with regulation here, um, oftentimes for the first time. We saw this in Airbnb. We saw this in ride sharing, and then they go back and they end up meeting regulators in other places as well. But in some ways, I think one could make the case that New York is a first mover for regulation. Um, and what does that look like? Uh, and what does that look like for companies who are deciding where to start? Well, I I hate to say it, but uh, I think the regulations are everywhere. Uh, if you look at, at Uber and Airbnb, um, there's probably not a state in the union that doesn't have some obtuse, archaic law that didn't anticipate, you know, ride sharing or, or home sharing. Uh, so these legislative difficulties really exist everywhere. Um, and, and the more tech NYCs and SF cities, you know, we can, we can have around the country, the more we can evangelize for the tech community. Warby Parker, uh, there's a lot of very archaic laws around optometry uh, that, that they're going to face and, and need our support for. Uh, the great news is consumers are on the side of tech. You cannot stop innovation. And consumers resent it when they're told that they can't adopt innovation. So we're on the side of right, but like it or not, we have to defend ourselves. I think maybe the reason that you, 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 you perceive it that way, Julie, is that New York's a very large market, and so a lot of companies, if they get started in San Francisco, or if they get started in Seattle, or Los Angeles, or whatever, is one of the first cities that they might go to outside of where they got started, because they can access a lot of customers really quickly. And so that, and it may be that they run into you know, regulatory pushback more quickly here. Um, than, than other places. Um, and it's also hard for people to navigate the landscape in a city that they don't know, where they don't have any relationships, and so they might run into you know, problems more quickly here. And that's one of the things that Tech NYC should be doing, right? We should be providing a service to tech companies all around the world. When they run into trouble in New York, they could at least knock on our door. That's right, because you know, to my mind, all these companies, as you said, they're going to want to come here. If they don't start here, they're going to want to come here. And we want to ensure that this is a place that is welcoming. I mean, I think that's a big part of, of what we're going to be building um, because that's one of the issues here in New York. Yeah, the, the beauty of, of Tech NYC is the tech community has no, now mobilized and can be proactive rather than reactive. In a lot of these cities, the tech industry is always on defense. With it, Tech NYC, you're going to be on offense. Makes a huge difference. I wanted to spend just a couple seconds talking about a few specific issues, a little bit kind of a lightning round, if you will, because you both have been community leaders in, in your own cities in specific issues. Fred, you've really dug in on computer science in schools. Um, Ron, you've really dug in on issues around gun control, um, 
Patent reform has been incredibly helpful. And immigration. Immigration, everyone's been really helpful on that too. And so I'm kind of curious, number one, to hear if you guys have anything to say about those specifically. But number two, what I'm interested in is understanding how you kind of decide where it makes sense for you to spend your time, to do your giving, and to be active. Well, I like to think of places where I can contribute more than just money. I obviously contribute a lot of money to the causes that I'm involved in. But I like to contribute some expertise. I'm a software engineer, you know, by, by history. I, I, my first job uh, out of school was writing software. And, you know, I felt like I could uh, help our school system um, get more computer science, not just with my money, but also with, you know, my knowledge of, of how one might want to go about doing that. So I think that that's a big, that's a big thing. Um, you, you, know, you, can't, you can't solve every problem, um, so you might as well focus on helping solve problems that you know something about. Uh, I, I agree. Um, and, and focusing on problems, or, or not, well, problems and issues that you are passionate about. You can't spend the kind of time that Fred and I do on on education and immigration if you're not really passionate about it. Uh, in the case of gun safety, I had Gabby Giffords, the congresswoman from Arizona, in my home by coincidence uh, the, the night of the Sandy Hook killings. And, and uh, you know, I had an epiphany. You know, I, I never got involved in gun safety. I, I, I was apathetic. But, but I had an epiphany that we're going to get involved in this issue. And, you know, it's a movement because fighting the NRA is not easy. Thank God we have Michael Bloomberg and every town on our side. But, and we have, <laughs> thank you. I, I wish the mayor was here. Um, uh, uh, but, but, but with gun safety, it's a movement. We have the Sandy Hook promise. We have Gabby Giffords and Mark Kelly with ARS, a super PAC. You, you need to turn these into movements. Um, immigration reform. Uh, is something near and dear to the to the heart of tech, but a comprehensive immigration reform, not not just getting visas for tech jobs, but we need comprehensive immigration reform. And Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Forward.us and Fred was the first person on the East Coast to adopt Forward.us, which is another movement that's that's going to stay persistent until we get immigration reform. These are all long-term issues that we have to be committed to. That, that's really interesting to me because a lot of the entrepreneurs, a lot of the engineers I meet with, they're used to quick responses. They're used to iterating. They're used to seeing results. If they don't see results, they want to go back to the drawing board and find those results. But the issues we're talking about, just as you were saying, Ron, really long-term. Um, and it, it's, for those of us who work directly in the policy space, I find I spend a lot of time having to kind of explain what it is you're saying, that we slowly move the needle, we slowly move the needle, and one day we'll make great change. But sometimes it's hard to make that connection, I think, for people in the tech industry. Well, I, I think on the, on the gun safety and immigration, I've been involved in, in supporting those issues. And it's, it's a frustrating time to be, you know, uh, engaged on those issues. It feels like we're going backward, not forward. Um, and it's easy to just throw in the towel. And Ron told me in a private meeting last week that Mark Zuckerberg has doubled down on immigration. You know, instead of throwing in the towel, he's, he's doubled his commitment, right? So that, that's the kind of thing that we need. We need people like Mayor Bloomberg and, and Mark Zuckerberg and others who have 
enough staying power that they can be leaders on these issues over decades. Because the, the politics on these issues is really complicated. And um, people on the other side are <laughs> equally passionate, unfortunately. And it's important because it also sets a tone right. for younger entrepreneurs and for those coming in the next generation. Um, yeah, I, I think tech as an industry has to be impatient. You, 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 you can't let innovation slow down because somebody else will go out innovate you. But on these policy issues, we do have to be patient and we have to see it through. You're here. Um, okay, I want to get back to a little quick, couple more quick questions about business stuff and then we're going to take some questions from the audience. Um, what businesses are you guys looking for right now? Well, Ron and I had a little meeting last week and we were talking about that question. Um, and an area that we're really interested in is um, machine learning, artificial intel intelligence. Um, uh, the big companies in the sector have been investing heavily in this, in, in this technology for a long time and are starting to make some really big, big breakthroughs. But we think that small companies are gonna need to have access to the, this technology and they can't uh, have the same data advantages and engineering advantages that the big companies have. So we like the idea of machine learning as a service, um, providing it via an API and developer tools so that small companies can get the same um, access to the technology as large companies. So that, that's one area that we're pretty excited about. Uh, I agree with, with Fred on machine learning. Um, we're interested in on-demand services, messaging, enterprise software, fintech. Um, but, but at SV Angel, our mantra is internet software only. I started SV Angel 22 years ago uh, while Mark Andreessen was still a student at the University of Illinois and said, uh, we're just going to invest in internet software. And one of the reasons I think we have a good reputation is 22 years later, what does SV Angel do? We invest in internet software. Uh, and believe me, it's a big enough space now that we should probably focus on just you know, a smaller sector of it. Um, but, but I believe we're in the early days of the internet. Software is eating the world, as, as Mark Andreessen says. Um, whole new areas like virtual reality, bioengineering, uh, machine learning, early, early days for these huge multi-billion dollar potential markets. And I would point out in that laundry list, uh, the policy implications will be So people like me will be employed for a while, I think. <laughs> um, I've got one last question and then I'm gonna open it up so that other folks in the room can, can ask questions too. It's a two-parter. Um, what you expect from the current generation of entrepreneurs and what you're looking for in the next generation of entrepreneurs. Hmm. Well, I, I, I've, I, I'm not entirely sure where the generational cutoff is because, uh, you know, we see entrepreneurs who are very young. So is a 16-year-old entrepreneur in the current generation or are they in the future generation? But in any case, w I think what, what strikes me is that entrepreneurs are getting more and more uh, capable of building things themselves. It used to be that we would see a lot of entrepreneurs, and I, I go back, now, I'm going to try to go back to like the 1980s and early 90s. We used to see a lot of entrepreneurs who were really more sort of financially oriented type of people or, or, or sort of general management oriented type people. They'd come in with a business plan. And now we see entrepreneurs who are making stuff day one. 
And I think that, that partially that's because more and more people can make things, like the, the skills of, of whether it's software engineering or just making in general um, have, have become more democratized and so people can make things at a, such an early stage. But if I had to pick one thing that's changed a lot over the time that I've been an investor, it's that entrepreneurs are much more skilled at making them making things along with one or two colleagues, where it used to be they'd have to build a whole team to do that, and that's why they were more sort of financially driven, and now they're more skills driven. And I, I imagine that the, in the future, that it'll even become more so. Yeah, yeah, I think founders are becoming more and more agile. Uh, you have accelerators like Y Combinator that really help make it turnkey. Um, and I think, you know, in the next generation, bioengineering are, these are dual major students. They've got a biology major and a computer science major. That's pretty amazing. Right now, there's not that many of them, but I think in the future, there'll be scads of them because the opportunity is so big. Um, the other thing that, that, that I would hope to see with entrepreneurs in the future is they follow the example of Mark Zuckerberg who early in his career at Facebook got civically engaged with immigration reform and got philanthropically engaged with the hundreds of millions of dollars that he's already given away and pledged to give away 99%. I applaud him for being an example to all entrepreneurs that, that, that your money doesn't given away, get given away after you die. Enjoy it, give it away while you're in your 30s. He's going to give away, you know, ten, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars long before his 40th birthday. How cool is that? It's a great example for every founder. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow Tech at Bloomberg on Twitter, like Cornell Tech at Bloomberg on Facebook, or email us at techevents at Bloomberg.net to get invited to future events in this series. You can also watch any of the interviews from this series on Inside Bloomberg on YouTube.